Hello, my name is Celine Yaffe and welcome to Talk Law Podcast, a law podcast for anyone interested in learning the truth about what being a lawyer is like. Joining me for this episode is Laura Foster, a partner at Fenwick and West Law Firm and specializes in a variety of subjects, including tech and finance focused law. First of all, I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on. It is such an honor to have this conversation with you, especially because of all the amazing work you've done. So starting off, what made you want to pursue law? What started your interest in what you do today? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and, and to chat with you today. Um, you know, I, I was not one of those people that knew I wanted to be a lawyer early on. Um, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people who say, oh, in high school, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer or before high school, you know, it, it just wasn't the case for me. Um, I didn't make a decision to go to law school until my mid twenties. And it was, you know, I, I grew up, I didn't have lawyers in my immediate family. I didn't have lawyers in my social circles. Um, people always told me, oh, you should go to law school. You'll be really good at this. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And I just had in my head, this image of lawyers being stuck behind a big, you know, dark brown desk with mountains of paper and just buried in contracts all day long and, or, or you know, fighting in court all day long. And it, it just, wasn't that that wasn't something that excited me or that I wanted to go chase and, and do. And so um, after I finished my undergraduate degree, I was connected to some someone who knew my family. And they said, well, you know what, you should you should come try it out in Silicon Valley because it's different. It's different in Silicon Valley, uh, working with entrepreneurs, working with founders. Uh, it will it will change your mind and you'll be excited to do it. Um, that person was right. I came, so I came to Silicon Valley uh, fresh out of undergrad and took a job as a paralegal at a prominent uh, Silicon Valley law firm and worked there for a couple of years uh, on venture capital incorporations uh, with, with some uh, founders for really early stage companies and I loved it. And um, so two and a half years later, I, uh, I went to law school and uh, the rest is the rest is history, I guess. That is so interesting. Um, on the topic of law school, um, what are your thoughts on it? Where did you go, and how did it shape how you view law? Yeah, so I went to Santa Clara Law School, which is right here in Silicon Valley, and uh, it, the 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 school is you know one of the uh, it's focused on technology law practice just based on where it is and you know the, the people who go there the professors who are there it's it's very much focused on um, uh, you know teaching people the skills that they need to practice law across the across the country but with a focus on technology and IP and and now it's heavily focused on teaching privacy uh, privacy law which is which has become a, a massive focus um, in this area uh, it's a small school. Uh, there were a couple hundred people in my in my class, but um, which is, believe it or not, small for law schools. Some some law schools are three or four times the size of that. Um, and it was it, it was it was just I learned so much. It was it was the classes were intimate enough that you got to know people really well. You got to know the professors. You really got to, you you learned how to think in a very different way. That is awesome. Yeah. Wow, is it's crazy to me that three hundred people in the law class is like considered small. That's that's crazy. Um, what made you later want to choose the law you practice today? Oh well, I suppose that goes back to the Santa Clara because that's yeah. Well, what what mainly do you practice today? Yeah, so so my practice today is very 
very similar to what I was doing as a paralegal, just in terms of the types of clients and types of work we do. And as, as I said, I, you know, I, I loved my job as a paralegal and loved the type of work I was doing there. So I went to law school with a very like sort of set goal of graduating and, and continuing to do that type of thing and work with similar people. So when I, um, you know, when I was looking for a job uh, in law school and, and for, for after I graduated, it, I, I kind of had a very sort of defined idea of what I wanted to do. Um, right, right now, I, so I work, the firm I work at is a, you know, we, we service technology life science um, venture backed companies. Uh, and we, my, my role as a corporate lawyer, I, I work with founders, you know, anything from sort of one guy in a garage with an idea all the way up to big publicly traded companies like Facebook. And, and we work with, with other big public companies like oh, that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a wide range, right? When you think about people who have, you know, who are just bootstrapping and they're, they're just coding away somewhere and trying to, trying to figure out what their business is going to be all the way up to those really large, successful companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my, day, my day-to-day is working with uh, anywhere from just that single founder and, and helping them sort of progress their, their business uh, all the way up to working with lawyer number 10 on a legal team in some big, massive uh, organization. And um, we, we guide them day to day on a wide range of, of corporate matters. And that's, that could be fundraising, that could be employment matters, that could be you know, selling the company if, if the company is going to be acquired, taking a company public. It's, 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 it's a wide variety of work. And that's, that's why I, I really enjoy it. That's so interesting. I mean, it's great because you get to do like everything, I guess, like like literally everything. That's, that's awesome. Um, and what has been your favorite part of what you do? What has been a rewarding experience in a commonly referred to as like an unrewarding profession? <laughs> um, you know, it's the, the, the thing that I enjoy the most is helping, helping people, helping these founders, helping, um, you know, CEOs like realize their dreams, realize their business, take, you know, Seeing a company go from something really, really small and just you know a PowerPoint and an idea to a product that's being launched or sold, or uh, you know company being successfully acquired by a you know another bigger company, or um, you know being on the front page of the New York Times because it's so revolutionary, or whatever that milestone is, that that dream, you know, uh, watching founders execute on that dream and chase it and make it so, and and in many cases change the way people in the world function you know Facebook is a great example I, I didn't work with Facebook when it was you know started Mark Zuckerberg in a garage yeah. exactly but he was you know and and think about the next next iteration of something like Facebook and how it's changed the world so much and the way we we operate like seeing that is it's just so fun um, and as the lawyers in these situations we we have a front row seat um, to so much of that, you know, we sit in the board meetings, we help them negotiate the most important transactions. Um, so much of, of, of what I do as a corporate lawyer is not about reading and interpreting the law, it's, it's providing business advice to, to many of these founders. And that's, um, that's it's, it's fun, it's challenging, it's different every single day. It's, uh, it's quite the opposite of unrewarding, if that's, if, I think that's the word you, you, you used <laughs> yeah. to describe, but I bet we hear it all the time. And and that's part of why I didn't want to be a lawyer early on in my life. Uh, and, and it took sort of seeing this type of law as to sort of change my mind. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, 
I apologize for calling it on rewarding. <laughs> um, and are you allowed to talk about cases that you've done in the past? I, I can talk about some of the public ones. So, um, you know, I already mentioned Facebook. When I was a, a first year attorney at my firm, I was I had the um, uh, the privilege of working on Facebook's IPO. My firm represented oh, wow. Facebook through their IPO, and and I was uh, one of the junior lawyers working on on that matter at the time. And so that was one of my sort of first big um, big projects that I worked on. And and I still work with Facebook today. It's it's been a a, a really <laughs> fascinating client to work with over the years. Um, another one which I always like to talk about. It's super fun. Uh, there, there's a company out there called King Digital, and, and they developed the Candy Crush game and a number oh. of the other digital, you know, online digital gaming companies like that. Um, so we, we worked with them uh, for a number of years when they, they became a public company. They were later, they were later acquired by Activision Blizzard. Um, so, so I worked with them. And, and what was super fun about, about that one was, uh, well, first of all, they were headquartered in London. So a whole bunch of, of travel to London, which... Um, which is fun. I, I grew up in the UK, so it was an opportunity to not only go to, back to the UK for work, but to, to see some family and friends while I was there, which was a nice perk. Oh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> but, but also, um, you know, going to an office of a company that makes a, uh, you know, a, a, a game like Candy Crush, as you, you might be able to imagine, you just walk in and it just feels like you're at Disneyland. It's, <laughs> it's just a really cool experience. So it was nothing... <laughs> the things that stick out and, and, and I remember about that transaction are, are not necessarily the, the legal aspects, which were, which were interesting. They were complicated because it was cross-border. Um, it was just a big, big company with, with a lot of um, legal complexity. Super interesting, super fun. Um, but then just the client and, and what they were developing and, and the sort of mission of the company and the goals and their, their sort of core values and beliefs were were memorable. Wow, that does sound super interesting. Uh, I know that half of America was like in love with Candy Crush. So that's super interesting. Yeah. And what is um, your least favorite part of what you do or something that you regret that you like uh, that you did in your law path? Yeah. Um, it's, it's not something least least favorite. I think it's um, it's a challenge about the profession that we are in. Um, when you are a lawyer, you, you work in, in client service. Mm -hmm. And so that means, and that's the reason we, we do it. Most lawyers do it because we enjoy providing client service. We enjoy, um, that sort of that dynamic, but something that comes along with client service is that you're, you're at the beck and call of your clients and you can never really control when they might need something or when the next emergency will come up. And, um, you know, they, they depend, clients depend on us for so many things that are critical to them as individuals, as, as their businesses. And that's why I love doing it because I like being someone that my clients depend on. But that often means, you know, having, having to take phone calls late at night or having to drop things on the weekend and, 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 and help them. And that's, that's something hard to adjust to um, sometimes. And, uh, you know, doing, doing what I do at a firm where I do it and with the caliber of clients that I work with, means that um, I that is a trade-off and I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I enjoy doing what I do, um, but, but that is one of the harder things is just getting into that mindset of what does the client need? How can I make sure they have it when they need it? And how can I provide the best possible service 
to them so that they can continue to depend on me. No, I bet. Wow. That, um, yeah, you don't really see that. I feel like that side of law in like movies or TV shows, like, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, and what advice would you give anyone wanting to pursue a similar career path like uh, Silicon Valley law? So I think, um, I would, I always tell people, uh, take your time to figure out what, whether or not you want to go to law school. So whether that's getting a, you know, trying it out as a paralegal or taking some internships before going to law school, that's super valuable. Um, you know, whether that's in your, you know, summer breaks during college or, or for a few years between college and law school, that's, that's, that's super valuable. But also when you're, when you're in law school, like take advantage of, of all of the opportunities available to you. There's, there's so many different practice areas out there. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I fell into something that I really enjoyed before law school. And so I knew going into law school, what I wanted to do on the other side, but that's, I don't think that's true for most people. And there's so many different types of law, whether it's corporate litigation, tax, family law, you know, civil rights, immigration, there's so many different types of law. And, 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 and you've just got to learn about them and, and hear about them and figure out where your passion is. So, because you, you, you've described legal practices as it can be, you know, unre- unrewarding. And that's, that's, that's not an uncommon way to describe it. And I think that's often because people aren't practicing in an area where their passion lies. And I think if you can take the time to figure out what you're passionate about and where you want to be, then it's extremely rewarding. And I think that's, um, so I think, I think my advice there is, is take the time to, to figure out what, what it is you want to do so that when you're there, um, you, can, you can really enjoy it. And, and don't be afraid to, to, to make a mistake or, or to p- pick the wrong area and have to pivot later. That's, people go to law school, people come out of law school and spend a couple of years in a certain area and, and pivot all the time. And, and that's, that's fine. Like you don't have to make a decision on day one. And, um, it's even within my firm, we all service these technology companies and, and venture-backed startup companies, but there's, you know, 10 plus different practice areas within my firm alone. And, and we all sort of service the same clients, but we all service very differently. And we, we collaborate on some things and sometimes we're working separately. And uh, it's legal practice is, is, is uh, not at all one dimensional. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, that is so true. And I love the way that you phrase everything. You're super eloquent. I mean, but I guess that's your job. I guess that is your job. Um, and um, here are some questions that our listeners can get to know you a little better behind your profession. Um, so who's your favorite musician? Oh, um, so we, we listen to a lot of... Uh, we listen to a lot of oldies, you know, in our, in our house. Um, I, I, well, so here's, all of these answers will be, will be, uh, will be understood well when you know that I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. So the music we listen to in our house is a little, is, is very uh, all over the spectrum, I would say. Um, when, if I had to choose to go, go to see live music, and I haven't unfortunately seen a lot of live music in the last couple of years because of because uh, yeah. of the world we live in yeah. but my my favorite live music is uh is a duo called Rodrigo and Gabriela mm-hmm. and they're a husband and wife duo um they are incredible live I highly recommend it and so I listen to a lot of them um 
when I'm when I'm at my desk too. It's it's kind of like a uh, heavy rock music, but it's but it's it's just got this great um, uh, like vibe to it. Yeah, great vibe, and I could listen. I could listen, and I kind of get in my groove when I'm working, and and mm-hmm. I love it. So highly recommend that. I first I first saw them at a festival in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And then have just tried to try to see them live whenever they're back in the Bay Area. Great, great live. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what is your favorite movie? Uh, <laughs> I know, really, really tough questions. <laughs> this is the part where like everybody I interview always gets like super nervous. They're like, I don't know. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of embarrassed to say it. Um, my favorite movie of all time, and it's been my favorite since I was a child, is Pretty Woman. I, have, I okay it's so good I mean nothing beats it I feel like no like Julia Roberts I mean oh so good yeah um, it's a feel good feel good movie definitely and what is your favorite tv show if you have one right now I right now I'm re-watching Schitt's Creek wow. I watched it the first time through and I just couldn't get enough the first time so I'm re-watching the whole thing right now oh, it's so good I feel ugh, it can never get too much praise um, I think that that's all. Again, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. It has been so interesting to learn about you and what you do. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Of course, a, a pleasure to be here. And thanks for, thanks for taking the time to chat with me. Again, thank you so much to Laura Foster. I wanted to bring a little more to this podcast and make it more about law history and important law events. I've decided to make a new segment where I talk about re- a recent case and its effects on our judicial and social systems. The case we're going to talk about today is Otto versus City of Boca Raton. Conversion therapy is a controversial practice in which a person's sexual orientation is trying to be changed by others. It is an extreme form of therapy and typically happens to minors. There are laws currently being litigated for conversion therapy to be banned for treatment on minors in all 50 states. In Otto versus Boca Raton, we see counters against that, stating that banning it is a violation of the First Amendment. If we use this logic, the First Amendment could be used as a weapon against regulations in professional spaces and conduct. In 2017, the city of Boca Raton passed local ordinances that would make it illegal for therapists, both licensed and unlicensed, to practice conversion therapy and changing patient sexuality. A few therapists that practiced this, including a doctor named Robert Otto, filed a claim stating that not only did this violate the First Amendment, but that the treatment produced no harm to minors and their safety. After a lengthy legal battle, the 11th Circuit of Appeals ruled that conversion therapy did pose a risk to youth and it would continue to be banned. This is a great outcome. If conversion therapy continued to be used in practices, more and more LGBTQ teens would be forced into them, putting them at risk for mental health issues, and which would end up causing our progression on LGBTQ issues to go backwards. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to follow us on Instagram at TalkLawPodcast and send us an email at TalkLawPodcast at gmail.com.